mean, it's you're kinda... fun to listen to, but why the fuck are you people but listening yeah. to this? <laughs> oh, <dear. coughs> Still got that cough. Oh yeah. It's that good cough right there. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us as always is Mr. Shafar. I am Joey Bonnier. We have special guest Kelly Ridgeway. And here he is. He ain't lying. Sean O'Brien. Can you do that yeah. live? I know, I can't that's, remember another. That's his go-to when he's... It's a good uh, one. Yeah. He ain't lying. He's yeah. Sean O'Brien. What if I just only lie? Then you would be our president. <laughs> then, then we'd have to ask the guy next to you. Fair enough. Fair enough. How we doing, guys? Everyone well? Yeah. Well, it was welcome to be. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> it was the worst response oh my ever. God. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, that like touched a nerve. Trump's like, still president. Like, how is it's everyone doing? Yeah. Just like just brought the party down. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing for food? Waiting for the purge. Your favorite. <laughs> what is my favorite? Indian. Indian. It's not my favorite. I hate Indian food. I know, but we it's got racist. it. I'm so bummed. We're I love Indian it. I'm sorry. Food. I'm so bummed. What is, that? Wanna... is Indian food like buffalo? Is Indian food like buffalo? Jesus I don't understand Christ. that question. Like uh, buffalo, New York? Just ignore his racist comment. Oh, I get it. Like Native American. <laughs> there you oh. go. Native American. Tatanka. Dots, not feathers. Yeah. We're doing dots, not feathers. Uh, Ouch. Awesome. This is getting bad. It was East just, Asia. I was referencing. I like Indian. I, you know, I just started eating it not all that long ago. Not like, long ago? Maybe like, <laughs> maybe like three, three years ago. Okay. Why did you never have it when you what were a kid? F- yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we never had it at my house. I will say that. Yeah, I um, never had Indian growing up. No. I don't know what half of it is. That's why I order this only one thing I know. Yeah. What, what did you order? And I don't Tandoori like lamb. chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, they're big on lamb. Hmm. Yeah. But Lamb's- a lot of times it's real spicy and I can't really do a lot of spice. Mm, hurt but... your tum-tum. No, I just yeah. have really bad acid reflux. Okay. It makes me choke yeah. on my food. Joey's la- Joey and I looked at each other and wanted to make a Jewish joke, but we couldn't figure out exactly how to do it. <laughs> I'm not Jewish, you guys. Like, what would be wrong with that? It was just like, funnier the way we looked at each other. <laughs> it was as if know. you were Jewish yeah. and you were like, should we do this? <laughs> That's exactly what just. You guys are Jewish. I get it. Jesus. I'm not, though. <laughs> yeah, you, you might are. Be? I, I, have you taken the DNA test yet? I, I have know. not. I have. <laughs> so that they can have your DNA and yeah. then do whatever they want with it? Exactly. <laughs> they can so make they little can clone shones. Make, and, make little shones? Oh my God, don't say that. Anyway, I have books. Scary. Uh, so yeah, last time, I guess our last episode was uh, Infinite Jest. Um, so not funny at all. I didn't have a lot of time it's today. Funny. So I, I brought, I, I kind of only brought with me Infinite Jest. Oh my God. Funny. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> no. That's a joke. I, I have other win- joke, I have other wintry November books. I also have um Umberto Echoes, The Name of the Rose. Echo, Echo, Echo. Which I've never read, but it it and I don't know anything about Umberto him what or her. Name is that? That's not a D- her. Don't be racist. It could be a, a her. No, there's no women named Umberto. It would be Umberta. It ends in an O. So that's a masculine form of the <laughs> Spanish language. So you guys are being extremely extremely gender if it was Umberto like, x we could maybe disagree but <laughs> i have with me uh a visit from the goon squad by jennifer egan that's racist her book manhattan beach just came out you just made a racist 
I have One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey. Definitely racist. I have uh, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Man, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I have Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Why am I facing this? Any zombies? I have uh, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. I do the twist. It's like Oliver Twist, but without the twist. (laughs) Just Oliver. I have Remembrance of Things Past, Volume 1. Isn't that all you can remember? Remember um, by Marcel Proust, also also known as In Search of Lost Time. Can can um, one remember things that have not passed? I have uh, The World According to Garp by John Irving. Yeah, right. I have The Wrestler's Cruel Study by Stephen Dubbins. Mm-hmm. I have Dubliners by James Joyce. Oh my god! I have Less Than Zero by Brett Easton Ellis. Those are called negative numbers. <laughs> I said I have no other more. I have no. I have. So anyway, never more. Go. Nice little, uh, nice little arrangement. Hmm. Yeah. Nice little arrangement. Yeah. What do you think? You like some stuff? Like nice Novembery? More, of, please. Or December? I don't know. You want more? Oh, you want me to read Oliver Twist? That's, that's Sean's. Uh, mm. Please, sir. I want some more. Please, sir. Please. Kelly's on her phone. She's not She's not paying attention to our Sorry. show. Sorry. I got listeners. I, I don't say, pay attention to you I, either. I have a request, but don't Jesus. get too excited. I want to hear oh Dubliners. God. Oh, my God. Really? He's oh so excited. Why would you even say that? Like, there's no turning back. Look at that shimmy That's just shake. like, yeah. He's like, oh. It's like oh. asking a dog if they want to go outside. Like, they'll just, like, start doing circles by the door until you fucking open the door. And well, now we're just stuck there. Kelly, what would you like to hear? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to say Dublin? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. You... Do you want a Dubliners, boy? Do, Do you, you want a Do you want a Dubliners? No, we can do some Dubliners if you guys want. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Okay. So manipulative. Whatever. You <sighs> I think Reverse you give psychology. Give the man what he wants. Give the people what they want. Dubliners? Wow. Okay. Cool. Right on. <laughs> oh, sure. Really? You guys, you guys, you guys cool with that? Yeah. All right. If there's nothing else. I said something else. You said Oliver Twist. I did. Well, technically you said I want some more. Yeah. That would be a better choice. But barring that, Oliver Twist is Do you fine. know what the irony is? It actually, you would, you would like Oliver Twist way less than you would like I've seen the play. Of what, Oliver? No, Dublin. Exclamation yeah. point. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a play? Oliver, yeah. There's a movie. No, it won the Dubliner. Academy Award for Best Picture. No, there is not. That's there why I was is, yelling at him. There is. No, actually. It's, it's, it's bad. There is. Disney never made a movie. Yeah, doesn't Oliver matter. fell now. Yeah. Because God hates you. Oh, that's fine. If there was a God, I'm sure. No, um, that's a he. If he, would, he would definitely. Uh, anyway, he'd right. be an O'Brien fan. He'd probably <laughs> listen to this podcast. I don't know. What do you guys want to know about Dubliners? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> damn, <laughs> so close. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So James Joyce wrote oh, did this we get, book. Sorry, did we get drinks from? Usually not. Okay. Never no. mind. Get, get drinks. Is it's that Jameson not doing it for you? As she holds a Jameson in her hand. This isn't going to help me if it's too spicy. Do, do, do they deliver vodka? It's not going to be too spicy. If yours is too spicy, then. Okay, sorry. Read Dubliners. I'm sorry. The Jameson no, is going to be too spicy. We can, we can talk about Indian food all night. No, we really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have had this beer, by the way. Ooh, so we're, oh, here, here I'll, I'll trade you. You can drink this beer. I'll drink 
I don't want beer. I don't like. You beer. should drink Jameson yeah. for James Joyce and the Irish. Uh. I think I should. I'm not going to drink the whole thing, BB. But I I'll, realized I'll, I don't like beer. Here, you drink it. I certainly should. I definitely should have. While you watch me change and get me coffee, I should definitely have a drop of the crater. <laughs> oh my god! James Joyce wrote this book over a period of fucking five years or some shit while he was fucking slacker. Well, yes. how long did it take you to yes write a no. book? Shit. 10 days. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then a year, like a year and a half. Well, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a lot of people There's think it's a- pictures in the book. What the fuck? It's a map. It's a map. Oh my God. It's a map of what do you How think it is? How long did it take him to draw that shit? What do you think this that is a map That was like of? four to five oh years. God. If you had to put money on it, what do you think this is a map of? I don't know, Dublin? That's a good guess. <laughs> um, it took him about 10 years to try to get it published. He sent it to publisher after publisher and just people were like, man, I don't really, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Welcome to Hollywood. And um, throughout that time, he sort of structured Ulysses, which originally was was intended as a short story. In Didn't he just rip that off? And <laughs> I'm just going to let the pause remain pregnant. Um, it, Ulysses Why was be pregnant. Ulysses, Is it a little bit pregnant. Jesus Christ, you guys! I'm about to, I'm about to put on a different. Fi- I'm going to grab a different book. Oh, oh! Threaten me, why don't you? <laughs> that doesn't punish them. Yeah. I know. Evidently. <laughs> Um, they're all very sad. They're very sad. Every single one of these stories is very, very sad. Um, it's yay. Let's read more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's it. A lot of people think Irish. A lot of people, kind of, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people think that it's it's a series of short stories, which it technically is. But when you sort of look at it as a whole, it's a it's a poem. It's it's several different. You're, you're yawn, not making this better. Kind of audibly yeah. yawns. That is wow. On Mike, <laughs> it goes from a uh, childhood. There are three childhood stories. Uh, I'm sorry, four childhood stories. There are three adolescent stories, three maturity stories, and then four public stories. And that's how the the structure of is basic. Um, so there, are, I guess I could just read tell you what the the book is all rooted in one word: uh, paralysis paralysis it's all about that that sort of um that turning point in a person's life where you everyone you, you could do the thing what everyone analysis good yeah. <laughs> you could do the thing but for some reason you resist you don't you stop you're frozen and in that pause your life does not get better it remains trapped and that sort of is dublin that that is dubliners at this time in the turn of the century it's it's set roughly 19, it's set between 18, like the, the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, it spans that time or it's indefinite? It spans that time. Okay. It specifically spans that time. Um, and it follows kind of an unnamed entity, so to speak, a, a sort of spirit, as it were. Is this um, like the South Park game where they just keep saying, hey, you? Basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, it. The, the first three characters, you know, you, it's told from directly their perspectives. Then it sort of broadens a little bit in the adolescence. And it's the main character is them, but it's not told directly like the first person type of thing. Um, anyway, yeah. Is I that mean, second person where it's like talking to you? Mm, oh, God. You know what? I don't yeah. even remember tenses. That sounds right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. My narrative. The two form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a Dear John letter. Yeah. Um. I don't know why you said that. A, a, a vagina monologue, if you will. <laughs> hey. Um, 
Anyway, so that's double. I'm not saying yours has to have a monologue. <laughs> so here are the stories. Here are the it's stories. It's a dialogue between two I'll, vaginas. I'll read you the different stories, and you guys can pick. Um, so in childhood, we have the sisters, an encounter, an Arab. In adolescence, an we Arab-y? have Arabi. And Arab. Yeah, and, oh, and Arab. That's, so that's the third story. What's that's the, the third story? One? No, it's not. What's the autumn one? Um, I mean, they all sort of are in a weird way. Uh. Autumn is... <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say, really. Um, there's a couple, I don't know, I, Arby's up there. I don't know, anyway. In adolescence, we have uh, Evelyn, After the Race, Two Gallants, and The Boarding House. In maturity, we have A Little Cloud, Counterparts, Clay, which was the Halloween episode I was going to read to you guys, and A Painful Case. A Little Cloud. Finally, we have Public Life, the three stories of Public Life, which are Ivy Day in the Committee Room, A Mother, and grace. And then finally, the last one, which doesn't fit in any of them. It's just sort of the conclusion of everything, um, which is arguably the greatest short story ever written. It's called The Dead. All right. So which we're definitely not, not doing that. On, which sets uh, on Christmas. Is the race about the. Uh, the you weren't doing kings? the dead. I thought you were pro death. I thought you were pro death. Uh, just anything that can possibly be classified as the greatest anything ever is. Aren't you curious? Forget I said that. (laughs) What about the little cloud? I will read that for Christmas then. A little cloud? I want a little cloud. You want to read a little cloud? Sure. Okay. We've had a little little clouds today. All right. A little cloud. Fluffy little clouds? (laughs) Yeah. 53. It's so cute. (laughs) I'm sure it's horrific. Yeah. (laughs) That means filled with horse. It's like terrific horse. Sean. Sorry. Please. Eight years before he had seen his friend off at the North Wall and wished him Godspeed. Gallagher had got him. You could tell that. Did he have a sledgematic? You could tell that at once <laughs> by his traveled air, his well cut tweed suit, fearless accent. Few fellows had talents like his, and fewer still could remain unspoiled by such success. Gallagher's heart was in the right place, and he had deserved to win. But he was no Gallagher, too. It was something never <clears throat> like that. Little Chandler's thought, uh, sorry, Little Chandler's thoughts ever since lunchtime had been of his meeting with Gallagher, of Gallagher's invitation, and of the great city London where Gallagher lived. He was called Little Chandler because, though he was but slightly under the average stature, he gave, he gave one the idea of being a little... Little Bob Cork. His hands were white, and his, his hands were white and small. His frame was fragile. His voice was quiet, and his manners were... Ref- he took the greatest care of his fair, silken hair and mustache, and used perfume discreetly on his handkerchief. The half-moons of his nails were perfect, and when he smiled, you caught a glimpse of a childish white. As he sat at his desk in the King's Inns, he, Is he, a leprechaun? he thought what changes those eight years had brought. The friend whom he had known under a shabby and necessitous guise had become a brilliant figure of the, on the London press. He turned often from his tiresome writing to gaze out of the office window. The glow of a late autumn sunset covered the grass plots and walks. It cast a shower of Kindly golden dust on untidy nurses and decrepit old men who drowsed on the benches. It flickered upon all the moving groups, on the children who ran screaming along the gravel paths, and on everyone who passed through the gardens. He watched the scene and thought of life. And, as always happened when he thought of life, he, he thought of death. He became sad. A gentle melancholy took possession. He felt how useless it was to struggle against fortune, this being the burden of wisdom, ages. He remembered the books of poetry upon his shelves at home. He had brought them to his bachelor days, and many an evening, 
as he sat in the little room off the hall, he had been tempted to take one down from the bookshelf and read out something to his wife. But shyness had always held him back, and so the books had remained on their shelves. At times, he repeated lines to himself, and this consoled him. When his hour had struck, he took up and took leave of his death and desk and his fellow clerks uh, punctiliously. He emerged from under the feudal the is that? of King's Inns, a neat, modest figure, walked swiftly down Harriet, Joey, Henrietta punctiously? Street. What do you think it means? Like a fucking street punk. No, punk, punk like punctuous. One time? Like spiky hair and like chains. And... <laughs> Showing great attention to detail or correct behavior. Oh. The golden yeah, I would sunset, have said on time, yeah. The golden sunset was waning and the air had grown sharp. A horde of grimy children populated the street. All children are They grimy. stood or ran the roadway or crawled up the steps before the gaping doors or squatted mice upon the thresholds. Little, little Chandler gave them no thought. He picked his way deftly through all that minute vermin-like life and under the shadow of the gaunt spectral mansions in which the old nobility of Dublin roistered. No memory of the past touched him, for his mind was full present joy. He had never been in Corliss's, but he knew the value of the He knew that people went there after the theater to eat oysters and drink liqueurs, and he had heard that the waiters there spoke French and German. Walking swiftly by, an, walking swiftly by at night, he had seen cabs drawn up before the door and richly dressed ladies, escorted by cavaliers, a light, and her quickly. There were noisy dresses and many wraps. Their faces were powdered when they caught up their dresses. When they touched earth like alarmed Atlantis, he had always passed without turning his head to look. It was, ha- it was his habit to walk swiftly in the street, even by day, and whenever he found himself in the city late at night, he hurried on his way apprehensively and excitedly. Sometimes, however, he courted the causes of his fear. He chose the darkest and narrowest streets, and, as he walked boldly forward, the silence where no was, man has gone before that was spread out about his footsteps troubled him. The wandering silent figures troubled him. And at times, the sound of low figures made him tremble. <laughs> he turned to the right towards Capel Street. Ignatius Gallagher on the London Press. Who would have thought it possible eight years before? Still, now that he reviewed the past, little Chandler could remember many signs of future greatness in his friend. People used to say, Ignatius Gallagher was wild. Of course, he did mix with a rackish set of fellows at the time, drank freely and borrowed money on all sides. In the end... He got mixed up in some shady affair, some money transaction, at least that was one version of his fight. But nobody denied him talent. There was always a certain something in Ignatius Gallagher that impressed you in spite of yourself. Even when he was out at elbows and at his wit's end for money, he kept a bold face. Little Chandler remembered, and the remembrance brought a slight flush of pride to his cheek, one of Ignatius Gallagher's sayings when he was in a tight corner. Half time now, boys. He used to say, he used to say lightheartedly, where's my considering cap? That was Ignatius Gallagher all out. And damn it, you couldn't but admire him. Little Chan quickened his pace. For the first time in his life, he felt himself superior to the people he passed. Is the considering cap like the sorting cap? For the first time, his soul revolted against the dull inelegance of Chapel Street. There was no doubt about it. If you wanted to succeed, you had to go away. You could do nothing, Dublin. As he crossed Grattan Bridge, he looked down the river towards the low quays and pitted the poor, stunted houses. They seemed to him a band of tramps huddled together along the river. Their old coats covered with dust and soot, stupefied panorama of sunset, waiting for the first chill of night to bid them shake themselves 
and be gone. If we just started calling homeless people tramps, would that make it better? He wondered whether he could write a poem to express his idea. Perhaps Gallagher might be able to get into some London paper. Could he write something original? He was not sure what idea he wished to express, but the thought that a poetic moment had touched him took life within him like an infant hope. He stepped on bravely. Every step brought him nearer to London, farther from his own sober, inartistic life. A light began to tremble in the horizon of his mind. He was not so old. Thirty-two. His temperament, that's not old. That's not old at all. His temperament <laughs> might be said to be just at point of maturity. There were so many different moods and impressions that he wished to express in verse. He felt them within him. He tried to weigh his soul to see if he was a poet's soul. Three grams. Melancholy. He was dominant. Melancholy was the dominant note. His temperament. He thought, but it was a melancholy tempered by recurrences of faith and resignation and simple joy. If he could give expression to it in a book of poems, perhaps men would listen. He would never be popular. He saw that. He could not sway the crowd, but he might appeal to a little circle of kindred. The English critics, perhaps, would recognize him as one of the Celtic school by reason, melancholy tone of his poems. Besides that, he would put in illusions. He began to invent sentences and phrases. 21 grams? The notices with really? which he took to get. Yes, it's 21 grams. Have you seen Wasn't the movie? That, yeah, I know. I thought it, that was it about was Coke. A movie. No, it's Really? It's about soul. Oh. Chris. Yeah. Soul sister, soul sister. Mr. Chandler has the gift of easy, graceful verse. A wistful sadness pervades his poems. The Celtic note. It was a pity his name was not more Irish-looking. Perhaps it would be better to insert his mother's name before his the surname. Thomas Malone Chandler. Or better still, T. Malone Chandler. Would speak to Gallagher about it. He pursued his reverie so ardently that he passed the street and had to turn back. As he came near Corliss's, his former agitation began, began to overmaster him, and he halted before the door in indecision. Finally. I feel like you didn't know how to say that word, and you just traveled past it. Indecision? No, Corliss's. Corliss's? Is it? Corliss's is the name of the bar. Okay. Yeah, I don't... It just seems like a slurred word in its entire... I may have slurred it because I've been drinking whiskey. No, no, I think the word in and of itself is slurred. Wait, so there's a guy named Corliss and he owns a bar. Yeah, Corliss's. Yeah. Oh, you feel like it's slurred? Oh, yeah. I'm down with that, Mr. Joyce. (laughs) Fuck that badge. Finally, he opened the door. Enter. That's usually what you do. Okay, good. (laughs) The light and noise of the bar held him at the doorway for a few moments. He looked about him, but... His sight was confused by the shining of many red and green wine glasses. The bar seemed to him to be full of people, and he felt people were observing him curiously. He glanced quickly, quickly to the right and left, frowning slightly to make his errand appear serious. But when his sight cleared a little, he saw that nobody had turned to look at him. And there, sure enough, was Ignatius Gallagher, leaning with his back against the counter and his feet planted far apart. Hello, Tommy! Old hero! Here you are! What is it to be? What will you have? I'm taking whiskey. Better stuff than we get across the water. Soda, lithia, no mineral. I'm the name. Spoils the flavor. Here, garçon. Bring us two halves of malt whiskey like a good fellow. Well, how have you... (laughs) Sorry. Well, and how have you been pulling along since since I saw you last? Dear God, how you're old we're getting. Do you see any signs in aging in me, eh? What? A little gray and thin on the top. What? Ignatius Gallagher took off his hat and displayed a large, closely cropped head. His face was heavy, pale, and clean-shaven. His eyes were of bluish slate color, 
relieved his unhealthy pallor and shone out plainly above the vivid orange tie he wore. Between these rival features, his lips appeared very long and shapeless and colorless. He bent his head and felt two sympathetic fingers, the thin hair of the crown. Little Chandler shook his head as a denial. Ignatius Gallagher put on his hat again. Pulled you down, he said. Press life. Always hurry and scurry, looking for a copy, and sometimes not finding it, and then always to have something new in your stuff. Damn proofs and printers, I say. For a few days, I'm deuced glad, I can tell you, to get back to the old country. Does a fellow good. Bit of holiday. Feels a ton better since I landed again in dear, dirty Dublin. By the way, that's a line in Ulysses. Dear, dirty Dublin. That's a throwback hmm. in Ulysses. Throwback. TBT. He, he couldn't even come up with a new line for his new book? No, it's, it's, it's the heading of... Anyway. <laughs> Ulysses was written after this. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. we get it. Sorry. Here you are, Tommy. Water. Say when. Little Chandler allowed his whiskey very much diluted. You don't know what's good for you, my boy, said Gallagher. I drink mine neat. I drink very little as a rule, said Little Chandler modestly. Not half one. So when I meet any other of the old crowd, that's all. <laughs> oh, well, said Ignatius Gallagher cheerfully. Here's to us, an old times, an old acquaintance. They clinked glasses, drank the toast. Met some of the old gang today, said Ignatius Gallagher. O'Hara seems to be in a bad way. What's he doing? Nothing, said Little Chandler. He's gone to the dogs. But Hodge has a good, has a good sit, hasn't he? Yes. He's in a land commission. I met him one night in London, and seemed to be very happy flush. Poor O'Hara. Boos, I suppose. Other things, too, said Little Chandler shortly. Ignatius Gallagher laughed. <laughs> Tommy, he said. I see you haven't changed much in Atom. You're the very same serious person that used to lecture me on Sunday mornings when I had a sore head and a fur in my tongue. You'd want to knock about a bit in the world. Have you been anywhere? Even for a trip? I've been to the Isle of Man, said Little Chandler. Ignatius Gallagher laughed. The Isle of Man, he said. Go to London or Paris. Paris for choice. That'd do you good. Have you seen Paris? I should think I have. I've knocked about a little there a little. Is it really as beautiful as they say? Asked Little Chandler. He sipped a little of his drink while Ignatius Gallagher finished his bowl. Beautiful, said Ignatius pausing on the word and on the flavor of It's not so beautiful, you know. Of course it is beautiful, but it's the life of Paris. That's the thing. Ah, there's no city like Paris for gaiety, movement, excitement. Little Chandler finished his whiskey and, after some trouble, succeeded in catching the barman's eye. He ordered the same again. I've been to the Moulin Rouge. I've, oh, sorry. <laughs> I've been to the Moulin Rouge, Ignatius Gallagher continued when the barman removed their glasses. I've been all to the bohemian cafes. Hot stuff. Not for a pious chap like you, Tommy. Little Chandler said nothing until the barman returned with the two glasses. Then he touched his friend's glass lightly and reciprocated the form of toast. He was beginning to feel somewhat disillusioned. Gallagher's accent and way of expressing himself did not please him. There was something vulgar in his friend which he had not observed before. But perhaps it was only the result of living in London amidst the bustle and competition of the press. The old personal charm was still there out of this new gaudy manner, and after all, Gallagher had lived. He had seen the world. Little Chandler looked at his friend. It's uh, Gallagher live. Everything in Paris is gay, said Ignatius Gallagher. <laughs> they believe in enjoying life, and don't you think they're right? If you want to enjoy yourself properly, you must go to Paris, and mind you. They're gay. They have a great feeling for the Irish <laughs> there. When they heard I was from Ireland, <laughs> they were ready to eat. 
man. Whoa. Little Chandler. <laughs> Little Chandler took Get your mind out of the gutter. His glass. Tell me, he said. Is it true that Paris is so immoral, as they say? Ignatius Gallagher made a Catholic gesture with his right arm. Every place is immoral, What's he said. What's a Catholic gesture? Is that the sign <laughs> of the cross? Of is course that... you do find spicy bits in Paris. You know. Go to one of the students' ball, for instance. Is it the middle finger? That's lively, if you like. When the coquettes begin oh, the, to let them the lose the air humping? <laughs> you know what they are, I suppose. I've heard of them, said We're little Chandler. To tell them that. Slut. Ignatius Gallagher ran Every off his whistle and shook his head. Ah, he said. You may say what you like. There's no women like the Parisian style. Parisian? No. <laughs> then it is immoral. Then it is an immoral, said that little Chandler with timid insistence. There's nothing I mean, immoral about fucking. I mean, compared with London or Dublin. London, said Ignatius Gallagher. It's six of one or half a dozen the other. You ask Hogan, my boy. I showed him a bit of London when he was over there. He'd open your eye. I say, Tommy, don't make punch of that whiskey. Liquor up. No, really. Oh, come on. Is no other way to I see London, I see France, I see. Wait, what is it? The same again, I I'm suppose? Sorry, what is he saying? Don't make a punch? Uh, whiskey punch. What, is that, what does he mean? I'm confused what he's talking about. He'd open your eye. I say, Tommy, don't make punch of that whiskey. Liquor up. Just be don't straight. make punch of be that. Be straight. Be straight with me. Okay. Wait, what? That's what that means? Don't make punch of that whiskey. Liquor up. So just tell me straight. Like, so, don't, okay. I, don't I mean, call I get that it. whiskey punch. Don't be a teetotaler and just like, no, let's, don't let's put, be men and have a drink. No, don't put fruit juice in my whiskey. Don't dilute it. Tell me it straight. Yes. Mm. He could have found a better way to say that. Well, well, <laughs> well all right. Francois, the same again. Will you smoke, Tommy? Ignatius Gallagher protruded, uh, produced his cigar case. The, the, two friends, <laughs> the two friends lit their cigars and puffed them in silence. They probably did it wrong. Until the drinks were served. What's the name of this story? Little, the the cloud. little Cloud. <laughs> it's a Pixar movie. I'll tell you my opinion. Yeah. Said Ignatius Gallagher, <laughs> emerging after some time. It says so much that he made this story. <laughs> it just sounds fun. <laughs> it's so cute. I'll tell you my opinion. Said Ignatius Gallagher, emerging after some time from the cloud of smoke in which they had taken refuge. It's a rum's world. Talk of immortality. It's a rum's world. I've heard of cases. <laughs> what am I saying? I've known them. Cases of immorality. Ignatius Gallagher puffed thoughtfully at his cigar, and then, in a calm historian's tone, he proceeded to sketch for his friends some pictures of the corruption which, had, which was rife abroad. He summarized the vices of many capitals and seemed inclined to award the palm to Berlin. Some things he could not vouch for, his friend had told him, but of others, he had personal experience. He spared neither rank nor caste. He revealed many of the secrets of, religions of uh, religious houses on the continent, described some of the practices which were fashionable in high society, and ended by telling, with details, a story about an English duchess. A story which he knew to be true, little Chandler was astonished. Oh, well, here we are, an old juggalong Dublin, where nothing is known about such, known of such things. Juggalo? Juggalong. Oh. Juggon. You suck my juggon. I... Can we just have a talk about Gal? I have a question about Gallagher. So he was the guy with the props and the big hammer he, and the fucking smashing the watermelons he, and whatnot. What, what does he do? He's successful. He travels around. What did he do? He just left Dublin. 
We don't know his job. That's it. It doesn't really matter. A man is not defined by his job, Joey. How dull you must find it, said Bull Chandler, after all the other uh, after all the other places you've seen. Well, said Ignatius Gallagher, it's a relaxation to come here, you know. And after all, it's the old country, as they say, isn't it? Can't help but having a certain feeling for it. That's human nature. But tell me something about yourself. Hogan told me you had uh, tasted the joys of connubial bliss two years ago, wasn't it? Little Chandler blessed, blushed and smiled. Connubial. Married. Really? That's weird. Yes, he said. I was married last May, 12 months. It was not too late in the day to offer my best wishes. Wishes. <laughs> not you were at the first time. I didn't know. I didn't know your. I didn't know your address, or I'd have done. I've done so at the time. He extended his hand, which Little Chandler took. Sometimes a cigar is just a dick. Well, Tommy, he said, <laughs> "I wish you and yours every joy in life, old chap, and tons of money, and may you never die till I shoot you." <laughs> and that's the wish of a sincere friend. That's what I say. Here, here, <laughs> an old friend. Do you know that? I know that," said Little Chandler. "Any youngsters?" said Ignatius Gallagher. Little Chandler blushed again. We have one child, he said. Son or daughter? A little boy. Ignatius Gallagher slapped his friend sonorously on Bravo, he said. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt you, Tommy. Little Chandler smiled, looking confusedly in his glass and bit his lower lip with three childish words. I hope you spend the evening with us, he said, before you go back. My wife would be delighted to meet you. We can have a little music and... Thanks, awfully old chap, said I'm sorry we didn't meet earlier, but I must leave tomorrow night. Tonight, perhaps. I'm awfully sorry. You see, I'm over here with another fellow. Clever young chap. He is too... Oh uh, yeah. And we are arranged to go to a little card party. Only for that... Oh. In that case... But who knows? Said is this about Kevin Spacey? Next year, I may take a little skip over here, and now that I've broken the ice, it's only a pleasure deferred. Very well, said Little Chandler. The next time you come, we must have an evening. That's agreed now, isn't it? Yes, that's agreed. Thank you, she's got next, ta- next year if I come, parole d'honneur. And to clinch the bargain, said Little Chandler, we'll just have one more now. Ignatius Gallagher took out a large gold watch. This watch? Is to be the last, he said, because you know, I have an AP. Oh yes, positively, said Little Gallagher. Very well, then. Yeah, what? what's that? Associated Press? Uh, an appointment. Oh. Jesus. Very, <coughs> very well, then. What's this? Twitter? Ignatius Gallagher. <laughs> Let's have another one as uh, Dioc- Dioc- Doris. Dioc- 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 uh, Dioc- Doris. That's right. It's a Gaelic. Drink at the door. That's good vernacular for small whiskey. I Little Chandler ordered the drinks. The blush of which had risen to his face a few moments before was establishing itself. A trifle made him blush at the time, and now he felt warm, excited. Three small whiskeys had gone to his head, and Gallagher's strong cigar fused his mind. For he was a delicate and abstinent person. The adventure of meeting Gallagher after eight years of finding himself with Gallagher and Corliss's surrounded by lights and noise, of listening to Gallagher's stories and of sharing for a brief space Gallagher's vagrant yeah, triumph we get it. You like Gallagher. upset the... <coughs> Gallagher, the, Gallagher, Gallagher. the equipoise of his <laughs> sensitive nature. He felt acutely the contrast between his life and his friends, and it seemed to him unjust. Gallagher was his inferior in birth and education. He was sure that he could do something better than his friend had ever done. 
could it, or could ever do. Something higher and more tawdry and uh, than more tawdry journalism. There, you, this is your answer, Joey. By the way, mere tawdry. Uh, if he only got the chance, face he's a journalist. Yeah. What was it that stood Ooh. in his way? His unfortunate timidity. He wished to vindicate himself in some way, to assert his manhood. He saw behind Gallagher's refusal of his invitation. Gallagher was only patronizing by his friendliness, just as he was patronizing Ireland by his visit. The barbin brought their drinks. Little Chandler pushed the glass toward his friend and took up the other. Who knows, he said as he lifted their glasses. When you come next year, I may have the pleasure of wishing long life and happiness to Mr. and Mrs. Ignatius Gallagher. Ignatius Gallagher is in the act of drinking, closed one eye and expressly over the rim of his glass. <clears throat> when he had drunk, he smacked his lips decisively, set down his glass and said, No blooming fear of that, my boy. I'm going to have my fling first and see a bit of life in the world before I put my head in the sack, if I ever do. Someday, you said little Chandler calmly. Ignatius Gallagher turned his orange tie and slate-blue eyes full of lust. You think so, he said. You'll put your head in the sack, repeated little Chandler, stout. Like everyone else, if you can find the girl. He had slightly emphasized his tone, was aware that he had betrayed himself. But, though the color had heightened in his cheek, he did not flinch from his friend's gaze. Ignatius Gallagher watched him for a few moments and then said, if it ever occurs, you may be the bottom. You may bet your bottom dollar there'll be no mooning and spooning about it. I mean to marry money. She'll have a good fat account on the bank, or she won't do for me. Little Chandler shook his head. Shit, boots coming. <laughs> Why? That's what he said. Man alive, said Ignatius Gallagher vehemently. Do you know what it is? I've only to say the word, and tomorrow I can have the woman and the cash. You don't believe it? Well, I know. There are hundreds, what am I saying? Thousands of rich Germans and Jews rotten with money. <laughs> Good timing. Jesus. That, that'd only be too glad. This is like reverse sexism here. You wait a while, my... <laughs> what? You wait a while, my boy. It's just like... <laughs> See if I don't play my cards properly. Dude's finding rich women. When I go about a thing, I mean business, I tell you. You just wait. He tossed his glass to his mouth, finished his drink, and laughed loudly. Then he looked thoughtfully before him and said in a calmer tone, But I'm in no hurry. They can wait. I don't fancy tying Bread? myself up to one woman, you know. <laughs> he initiated with his mouth the act of tasting and made a wry face. Must get a bit stale, I should think. How about the Kaiser face? He said. Wow. That's a lot of good... Well, the last... Should I just finish these last two pages? Two I liked pages. it. I really liked this. There's just two what pages the left. You're going to start eating. It ends really intensely. Two pages? I really... Oh. What are going to get? Okay, sorry. Just do it. Little Chandler sat in the room off the hall, holding his child in his arms. Little Chandler is bothering. To save money, they kept no servant but Annie's young sister, Monica. Came for an hour or so in the morning and an hour or so in the evening to help. But Monica had gone home long ago. It was quarter to nine. Little Chandler had come home late for tea, and moreover, he had forgotten to bring Annie home for a parcel of coffee brews. Of course, she was in a bad humor and gave him short answers. She, she said she would do without any tea, but when it came near the time at which the shop at the corners closed, she decided to go out herself pound tea, two pounds of sugar. She put the sleeping child deftly in his arms and said, Here, don't waken them! A little lamp, white china shade, stood upon the table and its light fell over a photograph 
which was enclosed in a frame of crumpled horn. It was Annie's photograph. Little Chandler looked at it, pausing at the thin white lips. She wore the pale blue summer blouse which he had bought her, which he had bought her home as brought her home as a present one Saturday. It had cost him ten and eleven pence, but what an agony of nervousness it had cost him! How he had suffered that day, waiting at the shop door until the shop was empty, standing at the counter and trying to appear at ease while the girl piled ladies' blouses before him, paying at the desk and forgetting to take up the old penny of his the the odd penny of his change being called back by the cashier, and finally striving to hide his blushes as he left the shop by examining the parcel to see if he was, it was securely tied. When he brought the blouse home, Annie kissed him and said it was very pretty and stylish. But when, he, when she heard the price, she threw the blouse on the table and said it was a regular swindle to charge 10, 11 pence for that. At first she wanted to take it back, but when she tried it, when she tried it on, she was delighted with it, especially with the make of the sleeves, and kissed him and said it was very <laughs> He looked coldly into the eyes of the photograph. And they answered, Look at that photograph! Certainly. They were, <laughs> certainly they were pretty, and the face itself was pretty. But he found something mean. Why was this so unconscious and ladylike? She's the composure of the eyes racist. irritated. They repelled him and defied him. There was no passion in them, no rapture. He thought of what Gallagher had said about rich Jewesses, those, uh, those dark oriental eyes. He thought, how full they are of passion, so of voluptuous longing. You going to take this, Joey? Why had he married the yeah. eyes in this photograph? He caught himself up the question and glanced nervously round the room. He found something mean in the pretty furniture, which he had bought for his house and the hire system. Annie had chosen it for herself, reminded him, and it reminded him. It too was prim, pretty. A dull resentment against his wife. Against his life. Could he not escape from this little house? Was it too late for him to try to live bravely like Gallagher? Could he go to London? There was furniture still to be paid for. If he could only write a book and get it published, that might open the way for him. A volume of Byron's poems lay open before him on the table. He opened it cautiously with his left hand, lest he should awaken the child, and began to read the first poem. Hushed are the winds, and still the evening bloom. That Nadine Zephyrus wanders through the grove. Whilst I return to view my Margaret tomb, scatter flowers of dust I leave. He paused. He felt the rhythm of the verse about him. In the How melancholy it was. Could he too write like that? Express the melancholy of his soul in verse. There were so many things he wanted to describe. His sensation of a few hours before on Grattan Bridge, for example. If he could go back again into that mood. The child awoke and began to cry. He turned from the page and tried to hush it, but it would not be hushed. It began to rock. He began to rock it to and fro in his arms, but it was wailing. But its wailing cry grew He rocked it faster while his eyes began to read the second stanza. I like that it's an it. Within this narrow call <laughs> Did he rock it like a hurricane? Her, within this narrow call reclines her clay. That clay was... It was useless. He couldn't. Couldn't do anything. The wailing of the child pierced the drum of the ear. It was useless. useless. Children are useless. He was a prisoner for His arms trembled with anger and suddenly, bending to the child's face, he shouted, Stop! Hammer time? The child stopped for an instant. <laughs> Had a spasm of fright and began to scream. 
He jumped up from his chair and walked hastily up and down the room with the child in his arms. It began to sob piteously, losing its breath for four or five seconds, and then bursting out anew. The thin walls of the room echoed the sound. He tried to soothe it, but it sobbed more convulsively. He looked at the contracted and quivering face of the child and began to be alive. He counted seven sobs with a break between them and caught the child to his breast and right. Die? The door was burst open and a young woman panting. What is it? What is it? She cried. The child, hearing its mother's voice, broke out into a uh, paroxysm of sobbing. It's nothing, Annie. It's nothing. He began, to, he began to cry. She flung her parcels on the floor and snatched the child. What have you done to him? She cried, glaring into his face. Little Chandler sustained for one moment the gaze of her eyes, and his heart closed together as he met as he met the hatred. He began to stammer. It's nothing. He began to cry. I couldn't. I didn't do anything. What? Giving no heed to him, she began to walk up and down the room, clasping the child tightly. My little man, my little manny, why aren't you frightened, love? There, my love. There. Lambado. Mama's little lamb of there now. Little Chandler felt his cheeks suffused with shame. Suffused? Suffused with shame. Seven. And he stood back. He listened while the paroxysm of the child sobbing us. Tears of remorse started his eyes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. Paralysis. Gradually spreading through or over? Him. Yeah. I don't get it. Like his face was getting uh, flush? Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I really like that. Why did I like that? I never liked these. Yeah. It was fun. They're it's all weird. Like that. This is probably one of my least favorite ones, actually, believe it or not. I like oh, Little Chandler. No, it's fine. They're all, they're, I mean, I love them all, but. I like the story. That's the thing in context. Yeah, they're they're all yeah they're I all just very good. Thinking he was a child, so like you know, little Chandler. Correct. That's that's about right. But he, he's not. No, he's got a kid. He's like, yeah, that's the tragedy of life. Oh. <laughs> well, Kelly right now has her headphones off, and she's just like my ears hurt. She's just plaintively like sort of. Hey, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's very funny. You're just kind of like hanging there with you. You got like a like a glass of Jameson, just sort of like lingering in your hands, just chilling, and you're like talking to the microphone without listening to us. It's great. Yeah, it's very dismissive. I have big ears. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said.